This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. I'm Crudy Joshi, the Deputy Editor of Media Week, and today I'm in the Nova Entertainment Studios in Sydney sitting with the one and only Smallsy. Hello. Your full name is Kent Small. That's right, yes. Nickname Smallsy. Indeed. How did you get that? Uh, long story short, it was Nova Brisbane. I had just got my job there, but they had a guy who was doing the drive show, and his name was Ken, and I was Kent, and they thought it was too close and too similar. And then and then uh, my program director at the time, Tracy Austin, who was from Texas, who's now back in the States, she was like, we're going to call you Smallsy. And I'm like... Whatever. It was like it was my first Cap City gig. So I was like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Like, whatever. Don't just take <laughs> give me it. a more hideous name and I'll do it. Yeah, that's it, right? I was like, I was just like, whatever, I'll do it. Just give me the job. Did you did you start appreciating the name or start uh, you know becoming a little warm to it? Or uh, yeah. it doesn't seem like you took the opportunity and changed it. No, it? you know, it's cr- I've, I have reflected on it a, a, a few times um, and sort of re- thought – you know when you get these moments that sometimes you don't get to make the de- decision in your, in your life or you don't get to make the choice about where something goes or what happens, you just have to follow the path that you're given. But then in reflection, you go, oh, my God, that was the best decision that ever could have been made. With the name change, I was like, well, there's no one else called Smallsy. It's not something that is pedestrian or standard or someone you'd run into the street with. It's instantly recognizable and... It sort of has a bit of cut through because there's no, like, you know, if, if it was Chris or Kent, whatever it might be, it's like, uh, you the guy from the radio. It's like you say Smallsy, and then if you people are aware of the brand, they know exactly where it belongs, they know exactly where it where it fits. You just touched on a point. Smallsy's now really become, you know, just more an exterior thing. It's not just Smallsy as in you as a person. It's mm. now a brand. Yeah. So how do you treat yourself as a brand or like an image that needs to be kept up or you don't really pay attention to that side of things? No, yeah, I do. You know, like it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like there are – it's, it's it's something that I, you know, struggle with sometimes because Small Z is definitely, you know, the on-air persona and there's plenty about me that never makes it on the radio just because of the inherent shift that I do and the nature of the show that I host that doesn't allow to stretch your legs or get into, you know, heavy political content or things like that. But they're genu- genuine things that I find interesting and, you know, that, you know, stimulate me outside of, of work. Um, so in terms of is there a separation between Smallsy and, and, and of course, you know, like I'm not literally reading NW magazine and I could care less about Kim Kardashian and who she's dating or what the story is. But, you know, that is the show and I get excited about that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy knowing about it, but I don't 100% live and breathe it so outside of Fair. So work. you're a political junkie who creeps through the Ozpol trend on Twitter oh, every time you're off air. Mate, you know, one of my favorite, you know, Paul Murray, who I know, and shout out to Paul. Like, first thing I do literally when I get home at night is just get back on and watch PM Live and, like, what's going on today? Tell me what I need to know. And it's not to put on E! News or E! Channel because I just literally have covered all of that from pillar to post all day. I just want some other part of me to my brain to work. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So do- it's not as it's not nearly as exciting as everyone would think. They think I'd be going home and just like, oh my God, it's play like, me oh, an album. What's, what's on E online now? Yeah, like tell me what if I what what story did I miss that broke today? No. I'm I I I think you need a bit of balance. I think otherwise you you don't get that life experience and you know, something that was said to me many years ago in the radio business is you sort of like you need to get life experience under your belt before you can do a radio show and at the time when you're 19 20 21 you go what do you mean i'm fine i sound like i hit the post that's awesome but then over time you're like you need those experiences and to see things to be able to you know react and know how to reflect something whatever it is Jesus Christ. And so in terms of just your radio shift, you know, when uh, people are covering radio or gen- just generally discussing the success of a particular station, the things that discuss get discussed are the breakfast shifts and, you know, the popularity of a drive shift. Now you're on 7 to 10 ev- on weekdays. How important is that shift to any radio station? Obviously you're hosting a national show. Yeah. Oh, look, you know what? I, 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 you, you, you can't take out and take away from the fact that Breakfast and Drive are literally your, your, your bookends of, of the radio station. Mm. However, I've always have been a big believer in, in the, the show that I host to 
set the trend of where the radio station goes next. I mean, every new song that literally hits the Nova playlist comes through my show. You know, every artist that you do an interview with when they're nobodies and if they go on to being somebodies, you have a relationship with them because you were there and you backed them in the early days. That only pays dividends to a radio station in the long run, you know, and also audience too, you know, like, you know, if you, if you start with, I mean, I guess I'll, I think people look at nights as traditionally a younger sort of audience. That's not to take away from the fact that, you know, the average age of someone who listens to the show is 28, but you know, there's the available audience is skews younger. So you have a chance to build brand loyalty with them so that when they do convert to 18 to 24s or 25, 39, they have a touch point with the radio station that, that you were their favourite and you've they grow with the station, they grow with the brand. One of the questions coming out from that, one of the bands that I think about, you know, have made it really big and came mm. kind of came through your show, show as Five Seconds of Summer. Yeah. Made it really big yep. and they keep on coming back. Anytime they have to announce anything big, I always see them with you. 100%. Ed Sheeran seems to be a best friend as well. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, any, any gossip you can give us about him? Uh, no, nothing at the moment, except that he's like selling out more stadiums than ACD. Like this is this is this is crazy from a guy who who I re- <laughs> I remember in the early days the record label were like pitching trying to you know get this guy in for an interview and other radio stations were saying yeah nah we won't interview this guy next maybe next time when he comes out we'll have some time for him and and. And I've been I've been blessed to and, and talking about that relationship and it grows with you. I've been blessed with Ed in particular for him to have valued the support we gave him in the early days to when he set up his own record label that he announced it in the show live for the first time to the world and he bought Jamie Lawson who was the, mm. his signing and Jamie. The story about that was that that the song hadn't had been recorded for wasn't expecting that had been recorded but it hadn't been mastered by the time that the interview with him and Ed in the studio was meant to happen. So so Jamie brought his guitar in because Ed was like, well, we need to, we're doing the announcement, we need to bloody have a song for you to... So he performed it literally into these microphones that we're sitting at right now, and it was a week until the track had been mastered. So that version that we were playing on Nova f- across the board from that moment was actually the acoustic set that we had recorded in the studio that night. And that was what got us through the first week until the the mastered version from the studio arrived. Shite, you seem to have some real connections with the Brits, don't you? One Direction love you as well. Yeah. Used you to um, announce quite a few things uh, that they were doing. Yeah. I think you got um, one of the, uh, like an exclusive interview for, with the last album that they did. I forgot the name. Oh, yeah. Made in the AM. Yeah. It's the last one. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. yep. I went overseas for that one. <laughs> Jesus. That was a big day. So you must be traveling a lot. You've recently come back from the uh, Global Red Room. Mm-hmm. Before that, you were in the US doing what? Uh, the Billboard Awards. In, that Christ. was in Vegas the week before. Do you get used to the t- time zones? You uh, look. You never really get used. To, I'm not going. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, my life is so tough." I I know that I am. I'm grateful. My lo- I've been blessed to be able to travel and take the show on the road. Um. You never get used to it, though. I mean, I literally, I mean, I, I pulled the eject. I, you know, traveling to America for three out of the last four weeks, you just eat some disgusting food. And I am now like back on the health wagon trying to just clean it up a little bit because it just went a bit out of control. So <laughs> you just like, you know, it's, it is the, yeah, it, it, it can be bad for your health in, in the same, as well as fun, it, it can be bad for your health. You see, uh, your show seems like one of the shows that travels the most often. I would guess in mm. the whole, in the whole Nova Entertainment building. Let's oh say. yeah, definitely. Yeah, most. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at the beginning when you start out, everyone loves to travel and it's very exciting. But do you get over it? I mean, I'm not. Um, I'm not saying complain into the mic no, right now. No, no, I'm not. I, I, lo- I, I enjoy the ability i i enjoy that i work for a company that is supportive of me to travel trust me number 1 supportive of me number 2 to travel and go to these events and capture these events and bring them back and broadcast it on the radio here in australia um it's 
yeah, I'm no matter how tired you get, no matter how exhausting it gets, it's it's what makes the job fun. You know, and anyone who's listening now who's ever been on a junket knows that excitement. You know, it's like, oh my god, I'm going away, I'm gonna be doing this, you know. You still I, I you still get that. No matter if it's every two weeks I'm away or every six months that I go away, you still get that like, oh my god, yes, we're going and we're gonna be doing this and we're gonna be here and it's always for an, an an event or a reason, and that always changes. So that's always makes it exciting. Except for washing your clothes, do you even do you even bother unpacking your suitcase? Oh, like you know, some <laughs> you know, less is more. Anyone travelling, less is more. Like isn't that you don't even always ta- you pack you only wear ten percent of the things that you take. So just take less is more. Like seriously. So you're pro at just taking on the carry on luggage and don't need a no, check-in. no. I I still do the checked in. I do still do the checked in bag, but I am learning to be um, yeah much more considered in the things that you pack and you don't need to take. You know, if you're away for five days, you don't need to take ten different options. Just take five shirts and you're fine. And one pair of jeans. Oh, one pair of jeans. Oh, no, two. Let's do two because you need a pair of plain pants. Oh, that's true. Yeah, nothing worse than sitting on a plane for 12 hours in skinny jeans. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, just wear your trackies. That's it. But um, we were just speaking about, you know, discovering new, uh, um, you know, upcoming artists and, you know, getting mm. them while they're in the grassroots before they make yeah. it big. There's so much available now. YouTube is flooded with covers. Yep. How do you um, decide who you want to give airtime to? Because you ultimately have the power yep. to make someone's career. Well, look, it's it. There's a if I if I'm considering something, it it sort of has to be. There has to be a plan. Like it's very I I I, I caution against just picking something up off of YouTube and going, yeah, let's just give it a play and see what it does because whole we could you could create a whole radio show just picked up YouTube covers of this is great, this artist is fantastic and it never goes anywhere, right? Like the, mm. the, the for me it's a balancing act between trying to find someone who's new and undiscovered but also aware that they have got a plan, they know where they want to go, they know what they want to do, and they've got sort of things and lined up to support that. Because there's no point in just picking up a random song off YouTube and then going, hey, here's this person. If, you know, my the producers who work on the show have no idea how to get in contact with them, or we can't get an interview to back it up, or there's not a, if there are a UK or US talent, if they're not got a fan base and they're going to be coming to Australia. You I really like to close the loop on that stuff because it you get to tell a story and and that's important to sort of the breakthrough of that artist versus just picking something random off the internet and away you go. They say you can have a you can have a really great idea but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to give you its fruits if you don't have a marketing plan in place. Do you yeah. kind of look at how they present themselves oh, and their stuff? 100 100%. 100% like it, it all comes down to the package, the views. I like to find I, like I a lot of it is me judged or I judge organically. What has this done organically? Mm. That will tell me if I believe that it's got some a chance to sort of cross over and get the attention of the mainstream public versus you know via the radio. So you're not much of an alternative guy. <clears throat> um. Yeah, well, yeah, I, but I do. I'm very real. I'm very realistic just about the, the show that I do. Like this, this is, we are an under forty pop radio station. You know, we play things that chart, songs that are hits. Um, and when I say pop, I don't necessarily mean non-alternative. I mean there's plenty of examples of where rock songs or guitar-based songs or har- more more heavy urban tracks are Mm. cutting through at the moment. I just mean pop in terms of popular. Like you just, you know, stuff that, you know, has resonated with an audience um, already. And in terms of um, how you package your show, because it does seem, it does seem like that you have a lot of young listeners. When I say young, I mean like teens. Anytime a One Direction member's on, I think you had Niall Horan on recently or is he on tonight? No, he's on tonight. He's on tonight. Uh, He was on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's been on like I've been a bit. I, I, look, anyone who knows me knows this. You know, knows I've been supportive of those one D boys. I remember 
campaigning actively, trying to get their music <laughs> on the playlist, going, no, there's something going on here. Because I could see this stuff happening organically online and it's um and so and and he's a lovely guy who I'm who's got great songs and more than happy to be supportive of and get behind and show some love to. Any any big names that you have, you're instantly trending on Twitter. Yeah. And have over hundreds and hundreds of comments on Facebook. Yeah. And you seem to be very active in replying to all those. Do you have a team who's set up to answer your social media? No, I wish, I wish, I wish, <laughs> I really, I wish. No, we've got, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, a pretty small knit team that, you know, look after the show. There's myself, the EP of the show, Zach LaCava, who's been three years now running stuff. I've got an assistant producer in Anastasia. Uh, and then in terms of online, I share a resource with Kate, Tim and Marty, mm. um, a uh, video guy called Matt and then an online who like, you know, sort of drives the 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 article based stuff and the back end sort of video stuff into Facebook and into the website with Gemma. Um she's good at like sort of like being aware of things that may be going on on Facebook. I'm really hands-on with Twitter. Like that is hundred percent me all of the time. I like that's just it's straight in my phone. Facebook is just much more complex confusing and complex and I just, you know, you've got to dig down to the analytics and blah, blah, blah. She's just good at keeping a, an eye on, you know, there's no war breaking out in the comment section or things like that. Just trying to keep it all, friendly. you know, yeah, all just all PG, just all <laughs> friendly, just trying to make sure that everyone gets along because sometimes when it comes to the internet, people forget to put a filter on things and they say things on the internet that they would never say to somebody face to face. And so in terms of Twitter, I remember, um, I don't remember the exact incident, but I think I was in my car between, on the, during the time when you were on air. Yeah. The radio was on Nova, so it started and it's like a song came on and I tweeted about it and I tagged you. Yeah. Two seconds later, I get a reply from you and you're on air a second later. I was like, this man is crazy if it's him tweeting. Yeah, no, that's me. That is all me. I have, I just have my laptop set up next to me. Uh, I just... I like to have a two-way conversation. I think that's like that's what's great about radio is that it it does allow individual connection with people who are listening to it. I mean, that's like that's radio's like forte, right? Is that like it doesn't matter if you're on your own, you feel like you're connected. If you're with a group, you're enjoying the music. So if some, if you went to the effort to tweet me, why would I not go to the effort to say? thanks or thanks for listening or glad you love it or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that just seems to me pretty arrogant not to just give the time back to you that you've given to me. And I can't get to, I can't get to all of them. If it's a particular, if it's a busy night, like when Niall's on tonight, it's going to be a really busy night. Mm. But if I, if I see it and it's there, I'm going to write back to it. If there are certain tweets or certain comments that you see from your uh, listeners coming through, but you're not able to get back to it, do you star them or favorite them just so you can get back to them later? Yeah, no, I do. I do like like the love heart one. I think the the, the internet um the the rules of engagement change so often on on social media. <laughs> like every every minute, something is you know like. You're supposed to do this, then you're supposed to do that. Um, if I, if it, I'll, I'll favorite something if it, if it genuinely resound, if it like resonates with me, and I don't, if I've got nothing to say back, but it's just like a compliment, then are you sure I want to favorite or something like that? Um, it's just it's, it's acknowledgement that hey, that I saw it, and I know hey, if I was going to tweet a celebrity or tweet someone that I don't know but am consuming or listening to, and they just gave me a nice a favorite to say, hey, I saw that. Thanks very much. I'd be like, oh, my God, awesome. And it builds a little sort of like a relationship with you and that other person who you don't know. You just uh, have this sort of weird listen-to relationship. The 21st century social media relationship. That's exactly it, right? So you've spoken to so many people, met so many celebrities that people can only dream of meeting. Is there anyone who still, you know, gives you butterflies in your stomach before you talk to, or, mm. you know, you have your, f uh, there's a fangirl, that word, oh, I, that fanboy moment. Oh, fangirl, that's fine. Yeah, I oh, fangirl, oh, fan that's fine. You can, <laughs> you can, you can throw me with that, with that label. That's perfect. Yeah, no, I, I get asked this question. It's like, oh, do they make you nervous? Oh my God. I don't know if it's so much that I get nervous with an artist 
there will be uh, uh, an anticipation or a butterflies that you get good content. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So it's sort of like it you, does. Yeah, I'm not when I went with Miley Cyrus last week, right? When we were in the Nova on the global tour, yep. right? No, I don't. I could be wrong, but I 100% would put. No one else in Australia has face-to-faced her for Malibu, right? There's a couple of phoners, but no one face-to-face. So it wasn't so much that I'm nervous to sit there and interview Miley Cyrus because I've interviewed Miley Cyrus before. It's just that here is a chance to create content that resonates on the radio, will also do well online, and you've got 10 minutes to get it in, and I hope she's in a good mood, and I hope I can break down those barriers and form some type of relationship where it sort of can make them feel comfort or at ease that it's not just a, an interview, even though an interview is literally one of the most foreign, uncomfortable situations when you're sitting on a stool in front of six cameras and trying to make someone feel comfortable that you can get something out of them that they haven't said a thousand times before. Look, I'm not sitting in front of six cameras, but yeah. I do have two pointing in the studio, and I hope yeah. you're comfortable. And that wasn't a subtle taunt to me. <laughs> no, I'm, de- I'm not. I'm, uh, yeah, no, these cameras are always. I don't even know if they're on. They're probably not on. Oh, I hope uh, not. No, they're not. I've on. been pranked enough by this station. I know, Whipper. Uh, <laughs> um, but having said that, uh, 2017, 10 years of you at Nova. Now, uh, this year marks 10 years. Yeah. Of you at Nova, you started your career in radio even before you hit 20. Yep. I wow, you have done your research. Things we could do. This is great. This oh, is great. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. So, I'm very impressed. I'm very on impressed. record, someone's impressed by me. Yeah. This is great. Um, but tell me how you started and how you wanted to get into radio. Um, I think it's the. I think it's. I think anyone who's sort of like a passionate radio person or a radio geek is like, it's the same old, right? Like it's you're sitting in your bedroom when you're a kid listening to the radio, not turning the songs up, but wanting to listen to what the person's saying instead of that, annoying the shit out of your friends because you're not really interested in the music, but you're interested in what the DJ or the host at the time is going to be saying. Um, Then I went and did some community radio when I was in high school. And then after high school, I went to afters with like, you know, a, a lot of people who are on air now have sort of have come through afters. I know Tim Blackwell here at Nova has come through afters. There's a whole bunch of others, you know, at other networks and stations that have, you know, have touched their campus in some way or another. That's it. Suddenly uh, taking notes that if I want to make it into radio, go to afters. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you know, look, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the way to do it anymore. I don't know if that's the way to, 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 practice anymore i just was i was reading an interesting article this morning from the radio one controller who was like we don't know where to get good radio people from anymore because the kids growing up these days don't really want to be in radio they want to be youtubers and stuff like that so clearly that guy has not met me yeah (laughs) Oh, you got, you got, you got, have you got a little radio, a little radio bug burning inside of you? This is why you do the podcasts. That's exactly why. That's yeah. why I was like, James, move or, move over. I'll take over the mic. Yeah, <laughs> I miss James. James, James is good, but you're far better interviewer. Sorry, James. Oh, oh. Jesus, that's yeah. going into the article, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no. Going back to the question, um, yeah. how did you? What was your first gig? How did you get in? And you know, how did you get into Nova? Yeah, cool. Well, my first gig was at Star on the Central Coast. Right. Uh, Star 104.5, that was back in like 2004 uh, when we launched the radio station, which, which, you know, I, I, if there's anyone who's been in the, in, the, in the business for like years, they'll talk about, oh, the radio heyday, oh, when, you know, when there was no budgets and money was like, oh, we just made it rain, it was like, oh, whatever. Um, that launch at Star, holy crap, like, like it would be it goes down as really like something crazy because we had Enrique Iglesias and Anna Kornikova go to the Central Coast to launch, be the, the opening act for the radio station. And Enrique at the time had some, I don't even remember the song, but anyway. But the deal was that he was in Sydney doing promo. So we chartered a helicopter for him to fly from Sydney to the Central Coast. And then where Star on the, the Central Coast is, there's a, 
high school next door, and then I believe – oh, no, at the time – sorry, there's a high school next door as a football field, but then next to that there was a vacant block of land, which is now part of the same sort of building complex that we were in. But that was empty at the time, and the helicopter landed on that – those two got out of the radio station, out of the helicopter, up to the radio station, did their bits, did some photos, got back into the helicopter, and then zoomed back to uh, their fabulous life. I don't know, but that that was that was my first paid radio experience, which was just crazy. Jesus, that's not a bad for a first day, is it? And, no, Enrique Iglesias, and who else did you say? Anna Kornikova oh, at Jesus the time. Christ. Yeah, yeah, and that was when she was like tennis hot property, and yeah. Oh, does she even play tennis anymore? I don't even think she plays tennis anymore. But anyway, that was that was pretty crazy. And that and I still remember vividly working there. And anyone who has been part of a radio station that has launched or or been part of a a station that hasn't been on air, I remember walking through the corridors at Star, and there's just no radio station playing. Like there's no music coming from the roof because we weren't on air. And then and then I remember just you know thinking, wow, when this kicks off. This this radio is is going to go forever. Like this is this station is always going to be playing something and is always going to be doing something. And right now is the only time this, as a radio station, is not actually creating any type of product. And that was quite surreal. Jesus. And then how did you move on from Star into Nova? So yeah, so Star was all part of like DMG Radio at the time, yeah. and then uh, Nova Brisbane was still doing local nights. Right. So the Nova Network was still doing local night shows. Uh, and then they were rehiring for the night show. I, someone had left or something had changed and I put my hand up, went up and tested with Michelle Anderson, who was my co-host, who turned into my co-host then at the time. And we did nights for like two and a half years there in Brisbane. So you started off doing nights as a duo. Yeah. And then you changed into a single man show. Yes. In front of the mic. Yeah. How did, how did that affect the way you operated? Because obviously you've got experience now working with someone mm. and, and having that one person to bounce off. And yeah. now it's just kind of you running the show in well, front of the mic anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, um, the one thing that is, that was sort of, n- not that I, not that Michelle and I got on, we had a great show. Like I have heard some torturous stories about like co-hosts that don't get on, that they don't talk to each other. Like they would talk through producers, but then there was a chemistry on the air and magic and it just sounded great and no one was, and no one was none the wiser. Um, I was blessed that Michelle and I really had a great relationship on and off the air. Like mm. we thoroughly got on and there was never any real dramas like we would talk about content we would you know we were respectful of each other's ideas we shared we allowed the other one to shine and it was it was great but the big difference between doing it with a duo and then doing it on on your own was that suddenly I didn't have to go but what do you think you know what I mean so it was like here's an idea but what do you want to do it was just like, here's my idea. I like it. Let's, Let's get it do on. It. Let's do it. Let's get it on. And why isn't it already started? Like that was the fun part. Like that was that's been liberating um, to pick up an idea and be able to run with it. And that's not to say that anyone. That's not to say before some this gets misquoted that I don't respect or value my team and say, "Hey guys, what are you feeling or thinking today?" I, they will be the first to tell you that I walk into the office and I'm like, "Guys, what's on the, what do you got on the radar? What's happening? What's your ideas?" Damn, that was going to be my headline. Arrogant yeah. Smallsy yeah. oversteps his team. Damn yeah, it. no, that's it, right? Like, this, that, that, that's the way this fake news works these days. <laughs> these days, right? So I no. don't contribute to that yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, know. so um. Yeah, no, that's not to say that that's not the way it works. But in terms of just you at the um, myself at the end of the day, I get to say, "Yep, I'm on board," or "No, nah, I'm not on board." And 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 if I'm not on board with something, then I'm I don't just say no for the sake of saying no. It's hey, I'm not feeling it because of these reasons. And if I ultimately have to take it to air and feel com- confident, comfortable with it, and make it sound like it's mine. I need to be 100% invested. 
Fair. Does that make sense? No, yeah. that does. And so around just the the radio landscape now, yeah. you see teams of three, four people on air. Yeah. And you're still one of the only shows with where there's only one person on air. Yeah. Are you open to the prospects um, prospect of having another person? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I get. I'm. I'm not. In, I, I'm not closed off or no to any changes prospects if when it's if if when it comes to that point that if if it want they want it to if, if the business wants it to change ultimately i do what the business is going to tell me to do but it would be tell me why you think it's going to be better you know it can't just be for the sake of and that's that's what i always sort of approach everything in terms of in, in the show and in with my team and uh it's we don't do just don't do it for the sake of it, yep. it has to be for, it has to be for a reason you know so if you want to throw me a co-host tell me why we got why you think it what is it lacking at the moment great i see that who's the person we want to cast as that co-host are they bringing what is lacking to the table or and and then have that conversation from there fair i mean i know that you're on air from 7 to 10 when your rivals or your competitors are on air as well yep. but do you ever take the opportunity just to see what they're doing and just you know Probably like as as a critical analysis. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I think there's a there's a good old uh, Nova saying, competitor aware, not competitor focused. Um, that's been that's been floating around this this radio this radio station long before a lot of people who are here now. Were yeah, here I like now. how you got got on your old man English voice yes. just to say that Competit- quote. <laughs> yes, competitor aware, not competitor focused. I think. Oh, look, you know what? I think you'd be. St- I th- I know for a fact that no matter what anyone else says, everybody is competitor aware. And if you're not, I think you're kidding yourself. Only because aren't we all out to be number one? Isn't it? Aren't, don't we all want to be successful? And if you're, I'm sick for an analogy. If you're behind in a race, a running race, across you're definitely staring at the behinds of the competitors in front of you. You exactly know how their strides are. You know where they're going. You know what they're doing better than what you are. And you either fix your stride to play best for you and to benefit you. And if you're leading the pack, if there's a, not that I would stop and turn my head and, you know, lose my own momentum, but if there's a, a corner in the course as a curve where you have a quick chance just to have a look at where they're going. Um, you, you have to, and I, I, you know, with my team, I sort of get them to just be aware of what else is happening so that nothing catches me by surprise and catches us by surprise because I, I have always told and have believed we're not always going to win everything. You're not always going to be, have the best idea. You're not always going to come out on top every time, but at least if we're aware and we know why we didn't win that time, that satisfies me. It's when something catches me off guard that I'm like, I didn't even see that coming. What, what's going on here? Where, where did that come from? That's where I go, okay, we need to just take stock a little bit because perhaps, but not that we're coasting, but maybe we're just a bit on autopilot here and we really need to be aware of what's going on in the market. Fair. I mean, you've been doing the night show for so long. Can you imagine yourself in any, in any other shift? So say if miraculously one of the breakfast shift was to open up or Whatever drive. Paul Jackson wants to put me, if he's listening, you put me wherever you want. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, no, I'm not leaving this table and I'm yeah, sticking tonight. So. Yeah, no, wherever you I, – I will go I will go where where – Ever Paul Jackson wants to put you? Yeah, but also too, where if it, I, this is anyone who has been burnt by the industry, and I think a lot of people who are in radio may understand this, and who have once were in radio who may be listening. Radio has a chance, has a as a at times an ability to chew you up and spit you out if you're not really engaged in your own career because i think i think i even started this off by sort of saying it's like oh i went wherever they told me to go you know 
in my early days, 100%, you know, like I went where the job was because I was so keen and eager for the job. Um, that ends you at the end of the day if you're not in control and you're not really at the reins of your own career. It ends you unemployed, spewed out, going, what went wrong here? I thought I was doing everything right. And all of those times where your gut was telling you to trust yourself, you ignored it. So sure, I'll do any other shift if it, the opportunity presents, if the opportunity presents itself. But I'd want to do it on my on the terms that make me feel comfortable doing it. Because if it doesn't work, then at least I know I did it on my own terms, um, and I wasn't sort of presenting a hybrid of what someone else thought would work. Because mm. I think when you've been in the business and you've done radio and you speak to people every day and you are behind the microphone. And I think any of the good radio shows would always, and the successful ones, and even the not so successful ones, would always say that at times you challenge your programmers because they want you to go one way and you want to go another way, but you have to trust your own gut because, as I said to you, you're the one who has to get out there and present it. And you have to believe in what it is that you're doing. The whole thing about, you know, being chewed up and spit out, that seems, it's deep. It seems yeah. like it comes from experience. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone, I, well, I remember, I remember when I was in afters and Steve Ahern said, you never really worked in radio until you got fired, you know? And that is a hundred percent from not here, from Nova. Absolutely. How did that happen? Why Absol did I miss the story? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. It's funny how history rewrites itself. Uh, no, yeah, I got, I, I lost, I was, I lost my job here at Nova back in 2010. So part of my story after working with Michelle in Brisbane mm. is that, uh, we would, we did really well. Yeah. Like successful number ones that we, Nova, Nova Brisbane is gunning at the moment, but back in, like 2007, eight, nine, when I was there, like it had, we were really on fire. Like I just remember, like that was the, oh, we would, like the revenue was off the chain. The, we were 100% local. We were just, it was one of those, one of those heydays that even in the moment you didn't realize it was a heyday, if that makes sense. Right. Because things were so great, it just was the way it was. But on reflection, it was like, holy crap, that was a great place to work, you know, like this. And there's so many people who work here now at Nova that are also were part of that team and, and we reflect on those, those they were really great days because it was early days of the Nova brand and it came in so strong into the market. But anyway, they ended up networking nights um, at the end of 2009 and then Michelle and I were tapped to come to Sydney here and then present the first network night show Um and so that was when Michelle and I, so in, in Sydney, they had uh, Maz and Curly, Maz Compton, James Curley. Uh, in Perth, the action battle team were Matt Saracini and Dan DeBoof. They were there. And then Michelle and I were in Brisbane. And so they brought us three together. But James Curley paired up with Michelle and I, and then Maz teamed up with Matt and Dan. Um, and then we did seven till 10. And then those boys and girl did the late nights and that and i don't think i'm not speaking out of school but that just did not work from the start like that didn't work from the very beginning like it was it was kind of like michelle and i had a really successful marriage and then suddenly someone else wants to throw another partner into the mix and then both of us were kind of like but do you like were you feeling unloved? And I was like, no. And she was like, are you feeling? I'm like, no. And then, but that was a, a decision that was way above our hands. And that's where I talk about being in control of your own career. Because if I had to do it again, I'd say, no, thanks. See you later. I would walk away from that because that did more damage to your own mindset, to your own confidence than just giving up a job because it's not in the right circumstances ever does. So did your confidence actually hit a rock bottom or? Oh yeah. Not that it, not that it hit a, hit a, not in the moment when it was all playing out, did the confidence hit a rock bottom? It was when Dan Bradley told me that we're not going to resign you and Michelle and you can go home today. 
like it's that classic radio, yeah, not, no, no last show, thanks for coming. Like that was the moment, like in that boardroom right there, like that boardroom <laughs> right there. Like I, I, th- as I said to you, I, 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 I've been fired from this place. Like I walked the corridors and then every now and then the ghosts of the things that used to happen just, you know, when you were rehired, play back did, in my mind. When you were rehired, did you walk back like a boss? <laughs> no, because, because, because between when I left and when I started, Dean Buchanan had gone, Dan Bradley had gone, Adam Williscroft had gone, uh, the APD, Willie McAllister had gone. They, they, was, the whole guard changed. And then that was when Paul Jackson came in. And so, so Paul Jackson gave me this opportunity and that I'm forever grateful for. And he is the one person that it sounds like so, not some weird father son relationship. I, I bet, not that I'd ever have ever said this to him, but everything I do is to prove to him that he made the right decision. Every single thing is about making him feel like, yep, that was, I, I, I made the right call then. This is a podcast that Paul Jackson should be listening to. Hey. Yeah. He, if you got this, if you got this far, how you doing, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of your going back to your radio show, in terms of your production process, yeah. um, what time do you guys get in? How does it all work? Um, Give us a little bit behind the well, scenes. Well, we stuff. get in, I think, I th- we get in, the, I get about maybe two o'clock in the afternoon, one, between one and two. I know my guy, my, the, the team that helped me with the show, Zach and Anastasia, they're always here earlier, um, pulling together bits and pieces. We generally speak on email though or text message in the morning, every day, just what's going on, whatever, send a random gif or, a, you know, some hot person on Instagram or whatever's been going on in that moment. <laughs> but we'll generally talk in the morning. I get in about 2, 2.30. Uh, we have a quick sort of like what's on the radar, what's going on. I might call Zach when I'm on my way in. Is there anything I need to be aware of? Uh, we have a quick chat. Generally, it's interviews. Like most days, it's interviews beforehand. Mm. Um and then would work into prepping an idea for an interview the next day. Um, then we look at the music log for the show, record our gossip segment, take part in meetings, which seem to be the favourite thing of 2017, which is just a meeting. So we sit around and we have meetings. We talk. Smallsy uh, loves these meetings from the tone of you it. Know, no, actually, I'm actually <laughs> sick for a meeting. I actually love a meeting. These people hate meetings. I'm sick for a meeting. I just love sitting there and just chatting. Uh, so we just talk about pri- like integration, prizes, what's going with sales, anything happening in programming, what do we need to be aware of? I'll spend time meeting with contacts, you know, making sure that the relationship for the show is up and people are aware of what we're doing. And, you know, if I'm interested in a song or might reach out to a label and go, what's on the radio? What is on the boil? What are you working towards next week? Is there anything coming up? we got a music marketing department that, you know, Claire and Laura and Danny who do all the red rooms and do a great job at that. So I'll always, you know, like to just put my ear to the ground and find out what's on the boil and what's coming up so that that we can create hype but also sort of start to play a sort of set a story and a storyline towards, you know, like – for example, you know, when Niall's coming to Australia, right? And he told me he was coming to Australia and it hadn't been announced yet. You know, you just drop little subtle things on air, just like, oh, I hear he might be coming, and da, 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 just to build that hype and that excitement. So then when it does happen, people go, oh, wow, he knew that. And it sort of closes that loop and it sort of adds a bit of, you know, validity and authenticity and just, you know, and a bit of ownership towards the things that are happening in the music world. Fair. In the ten, in the over a decade in your career, um, mm. how how do you think radio production has changed? Like the makeup of it, yeah. Like, oh. What you do on air, the way you operate. Yeah. Look, you know, it's it's changed since the show started. Like it's it's changed in just since the surgery has been on air. Like it's completely changed, and it and it evolves quickly. Which is why I'm not really. I don't like to jump onto like the latest fad or the latest thing really quickly. Like I know you can get short-term growth and short-term like number, but it can be really exhausting when at the end of the day you get judged based on your ratings. Your The, the, the revenue that comes into the radio station is based on the ratings and that all comes down to what you're putting out the speakers and what's coming out of the radio. Um, so I like, you know, 
the social side of things to complement yeah. the show and to support the show versus social being all of our energy and all of our focus and the radio show is just, oh, but we have to do this radio show as well. Mm. Does that make sense? You know, like it has to – this is still a – we're in a branding game, right? We're in a branding game. It's about a recall. It's about going, oh, God, if Niall's on the show tonight, people are going to consume it who are in the car and what are we going to do to reflect online so that people who aren't listening right now can turn on or people who – heard it on the radio, also get it delivered to them as well, hopefully through any of the social platforms that they follow. Do you get into on. the numbers much? Every time I talk to a presenter, they're like, I don't I don't really look into the numbers. It's more For, like social – Your ratings. Ratings. Radio ratings, <laughs> eight times a year. <laughs> I call – I you know what? This is what people, people – people like this about me and people don't like this about me. I really call it how I see it. I 100%. Look, I'm not a fan of numbers, but still. I totally don't think there is one person who is on air who is not aware of their number. So you're calling bull on that? I, I think I, I think it's a, it's a, I don't know who said it, and I don't know what was going on in their mind when they said that or who suggested that. I would think it might present as maybe a little bit of a uh, security or a buffer to, if I'm not number, hypothetically, if I wasn't number one in my slot right now, and I was like, oh, I don't really pay much attention to the ratings. I just really love my job. You don't get to ask that question about, you know, why do you think you're not tractioning or why you're not number one in this moment or what do you think's happening and how do you want to grow the show? I think everyone is aware of their number because don't we live and die by it? Like if if the show doesn't rate, you're unemployed when your contract ends. Like that's 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 how I, that that's as pretty one hundred and one basic as I can see it happening. Particularly if you do a content show, right? If you if you do a content show, I think if you don't rate, you've if you don't rate or you're not showing growth signs, they're going to eventually ask questions about you. And I would prefer to at least know mm. than not know. So if if the show's not rating and my contract's up at the end of the year, I would at least want to be prepared and know that it's probably going to go separate ways versus me going, well, I don't really d- dive into the numbers. And then so when it comes to August or September and they go, well, we're not really going to renew the show next year, it doesn't catch me by surprise. Right. Does fair. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you do get into the numbers. Yeah, no, of course I do. You know, like I like to look at – I'm a, I'm a radio geek at the end of the day. Like I like to try things and see how they resonate and does it work or did it not work or can you boost your TSL or can you increase QM? What little things can we do? Now you to- just said TSL for people like me who are out of the industry and don't, oh, don't know radio spe- acronyms. Time acronyms. spent listening, time spent listening. There you go, perfect. Time spent listening because the share number, the share number that we all fight for, combination of TSL – and cum. Some mathematical equation. Don't know how it really works. All I know is that the higher the TSL goes, the higher the share goes. So that's the that's what you want to do. That's like the whole listen out for the key song, and that's why they do that is to keep people listening longer. And that's our job, right? As a presenter, at the end of the day, my job is to keep people listening to Nova for as long as I possibly can. Now you you're really active on social media. We kind of highlighted that. Yeah. Um, you often trend online on nights that you don't. Do you just scroll up and go, "Holy shit, why didn't I trend today?" Uh, no, oh, mate. Mate, look, maybe in the early days it was a bit of an ego boost. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> look at that, it's trending. It's all, it's awesome. Um, you know, the likes of Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, mate, they change their algorithm so often that. You can't judge your worth based on if your content gets reach, if you trend on social media, you have to adapt, you have to find out how what works, what doesn't work, but I don't let my uh, Snapchat story count or my Twitter retweets determine the self-worth. It sounds like it's, I think it's. I think it's really. Really, I don't, and, it, rate, and ratings too, right? You can't let it define your self worth because if you do that, then you, ooh, it doesn't end well. Ooh. If it doesn't go well, Fair. if it goes well, you're on easy. Like I mean, it's, it's the classic story. The, the the pop star who's 
famous and everyone wants a piece of them. And then the moment no one wants a piece of them, they don't know how to pick themselves up or whatever it might be. You know, it's the same thing with socially. So you've mentally prepared yourself for both ways, even though you're currently number one. Well, look, not even mentally prepared myself, just not allowing it to get away from you to become something more than what it is, which is just a hashtag or a view count or a whatever it might be. Sure. You've already had so many trips and I feel like we should kind of end this. I can go on with the podcast forever, but you do have other work commitments and you do have a show to put on tonight. That's right. But um, having said that, you've had so many trips already. Anywhere else that you're going to jet off to in the close future? Uh, there's nothing on the radar as you, I'm lying. Of course there's something on the radar. I was like, Jesus, that must be exciting home. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. There's always stuff on the radar. There's always something on the boil. There's always looking at crafting the next opportunity. There's all, there's also for me, um, as your competitors or other people see that you're really owning a certain lane. They like to encroach on it and also try to sort of ride that a little bit. So for me, it's, well, what can I do to give it like the, the smallsy, the smallsy twist? What can I do to make, to do what they're not doing? Um, so that's always, there's always something on the boil is if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, at least we put it out there. Um, cause I'd always prefer to be at least pitching stuff and trying to get it up than just going, uh, we'll just wait for it to come to us because nothing will come to you. So you have no tickets booked at the moment, but that no, could not yet. overnight. No, that could, that could change like literally tomorrow. That literally has, has a way, has a way of changing in an instant. That sounds like YOLO, like literally living life on the edge right yeah, now. Yeah, like you're always, you've always got like an overnight bag or something ready to go just because you never know. I'm telling you, you it's that unpacked bag. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Smallsy, thank you so much for your time. That was a really fun chat. No, thank you. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. Hopefully someone enjoyed it. And if you got to this end, Look, just go follow me on Twitter. Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, no nudes. And that's that's what you say in Snapchat land. You've got to say no nudes. Please. That Have happens. you ever gotten any? Oh my, hundred percent, one hundred percent, hundred. Absolutely, there's a reason why it's funny, but it's also true. Oh, it's you, also true. Do you go all right? Block. No, you just go. Oh god, I didn't need to see that. So you haven't blocked any. Uh no, because the new way to do this. Sorry, this is what we're going on again. The no, new, no, don't ever block anybody because it gives them the satisfaction that they won. You just mute them. If you mute them, you never see them, but they don't get the satisfaction of you blocking them. Hey, hey. That's Smallsies 101 social tips. Social media. Yeah, that's it. That's my little (laughs) tips for you guys. Don't ever block, just mute. Well, that's a great way to end this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow Media Week on social on Twitter and Facebook at Media Week AUS and check us out online, mediaweek.com.au. Don't forget to listen to Smallsie 7 to 10 p.m. weekdays on Nova. Thanks, Smallsie. Thank you so much.